0: Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist, Dr. Aaron Parks of the University of California Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services, and I'm joined by my co-host, child and adolescent psychiatrist, Dr. Tosha Yamaguchi. Hi, Tosha. Hey, Aaron. Fourth year psychiatry resident at UCR, Dr. Saloni Singh. Hi, Saloni. Hi, Aaron. And third-year psychiatry resident, Dr. Alan Atkins. Hi, Alan. Hey, Aaron. The views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speaker. They do not represent the University of California, UC Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services, or UCR's School of Medicine. Well, on this episode of Let's Get Psyched, we're going to talk about mindfulness as a means of enhancing athletic performance and managing different worries and concerns that uh, are encountered by athletes. Why? Simone Biles the greatest gymnast of all time, withdrew from the Olympic all-round competition. Uh, She reported tremendous pressure that she was experiencing. And she mentioned that she was gonna be practicing mindfulness to cope with this pressure. So what what is it about mindfulness? That's what we're gonna talk about tonight. What is it that helps elite athletes uh, perform at the biggest competitions and we are very happy to have to join us tonight, Dr. Gino Mortalero. Sorry, Dr. Mortallaro, I gotta call you Gino from now on. That, that's how I, I can reinforce that. Yeah, that's that. much
1: easier. No, uh, Dr. Dr. Hello, uh, yeah, no, yeah,
0: absolutely, thanks for joining us. Dr. Mortallaro is a Harvard-trained child and adolescent psychiatrist who specializes in gender health. He is a retired elite athlete. While on the USA Gymnastics national team, he won numerous medals on both the national and international stage. Well, I, I, maybe I, it would be good to kind of uh, talk a little bit about what mindfulness is first, and then we'll kind of kick it off with questions, Dr. Bordolero or Gino. And so uh, it's mindfulness. It, now, this is John Kabat Zinn's kind of brief dis- explanation of what mindfulness is it's paying sustained attention to ongoing external and internal experiences with non judgmental and non elaborating attitudes. Okay, so uh, uh, Gino, when you were per, uh, uh, performing as an athlete, when you were handling competition, is this a concept that, is this a practice that you used? And, and if so, how and, and what effect or what impact did it have?
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly for me, I probably would have had a much shorter career without mindfulness. I mm. was a, a constantly kind of worried athlete. Um you know, you're, you're throwing your body through the air and asking it to do a bunch of things that like, don't make sense, especially to like my nine-year-old self. I haven't taken physics yet. Um, and you know, there's, you can either worry yourself into a hole, right? And, and that's probably the, the concept of mindfulness that has always really resonated with me is kind of this abstract idea of sitting on that, the side of the river and leaves will come along it. And, if you hop onto that worry leaf, you're always traveling with that worry leaf and you're going to miss every other leaf that comes down that river of happiness, joy, sadness, you know, love and everything else. Uh, and I was 100% that person that just hopped on that worried leaf and like set sail.
0: Uh,
2: that's a great metaphor. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, so it, it, there's something about, uh, you notice you have these anxieties, like we all have these anxieties or concerns about performance and how we're appearing to others and whether or not we're going to succeed or win at the competition. But it's it's allowing yourself to not engage and follow it and elaborate upon it and uh, kind of, yeah, take it where, like you were saying, just go wherever it's taking you. And it could just go deeper and deeper into the hole or down the river or wherever that's going.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's, it's a combination of having it, acknowledging it and not, you know, writing it only, but also having that ability to be like, yeah, it's okay. I, you know, it's normal to feel a little nervous right now. That's cool. Right. And not to go, oh, I'm so nervous. Oh, it's going to cause me to mess up. Oh, I'm going to lose. And everyone wants me to win. Right. Because if you don't allow yourself to have that sort of normal reaction, you're going to analyze it to death and it's, it's not going to be helpful. You know, my coach who was, you know, gymnastics coach, right. That's he did not go to med school, did not become a psychiatrist, but he always said, you know, we spend so much time worrying about like the big skills and the ones that are so dramatic. But to even get to that, you have to do your run first, right? There's so many steps before that, that you have to focus on the ones that occur first before you can even start to worry about the big skills.
2: So um, it sounds a little bit, Dr. Martelero, that you're talking about being present in in the moment when you're competing. Yeah. Or training. Absolutely.
1: And I mean... And there's different ways that athletes have found success with being present. You know, some really vibe off the competition, like atmosphere, the crowd, right? And so that connection really gives them that sort of competition boost and adrenaline. Whereas for me, that was like my downfall. And so I had to sort of separate myself from the competition and just pay attention, honestly, to like what I was there to do and what I was about to be doing and be present to my internal experience rather than the external one. Uh, And, you know, it's not a one size fits all, but that was a really marked shift in, in my success on both the national and international stage was sort of learning that about myself.
3: And what was your internal experience? What was going on in your head on a good day
1: and on a bad day? Well, on a bad day, I would sit there and I would, calculate, I would like watch what everyone did, calculate exactly how well I needed to do. If I mess up, you know, it can still get me to this place. Will I need this many points in order to qualify for the next level of, you know, you go from local, regional, national, international, right? And so I would know all the points and know exactly what I needed to do at every step. And that I would totally lose focus of like what I was there to do in general. Cause I was so worried about what other people were doing. And, you know, there was also, if someone did like an incredible, you know, routine with a high level of difficulty, I would be like, oh, like, can't beat that, right? And it would sort of defeat me before I've done anything. And so what I ended up having to do was I would stand in the back, I would kind of walk in circles, have my music going, so I couldn't really hear anything. uh, And I would just visualize my passes and routines and actually kind of like, mimic the emotions as sort of this full-body visualization and rehearsal and i would tell myself hey you know you can think that everyone went out there did the best that they can do and so now it's your turn to go out there and do the best that you can do and like that was it just sort of set this blank slate of we're all out there to just do the best we can
2: And that seems a little counterintuitive, right? Not worrying about what other people are doing because it's at the end of the day, it's a competition.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, it is one thing when I was actually thinking about kind of uh, the relevant points for athletes is that there is a bit of a difference in gymnastics while it's still adversarial, it's not directly confrontational, right? Meaning that we're not going head to head like a soccer match where both players are exerting at the same time. So being a, a single athlete at a time I had that luxury to sort of be in my own space when it came time to compete. Right, there wasn't someone else that I was staring down and having to think about what they were going to do. They either did it or they didn't, and that was on them.
4: Right. I I think I'm just starting. I'm just starting to realizing how much of how much athleticism is part of just having the right mindset, or uh, you know, it, it. It's so much of the performance is a mind game a mental challenge to yourself um i'm only starting to realize this because i'm watching all these like sports documentaries on netflix like the michael jordan one you know the last dance and then um the naomi osaka one that came out recently and you know they talk about how not only were they just completely dedicated to practice but they the the mindset is so much um so much more than that I, I mean in the Naomi Osaka one her team is really highlighted and having how, how it's tennis is an individual sport but there's like all these different components to her team that you know she has like two coaches she has a masseuse and all this stuff and her coach says something like we are all there to help her but at the end of the day it's about what Naomi brings that sets her apart and and takes it to the to the end. Right. Um, so I, I am now realizing how much mindfulness really does contribute to, uh, an excellent game.
3: And, and not flailing in that world of, you know, she's doing fashion shows and people are photographing her. And it would be interesting to hear your experiences with that Dr. Mortalero, And also they talk about all the pressure on these athletes. What are the components that actually go into the pressure like and what's giving what component is contributing the most pressure?
1: As, what's contributing the most is probably variable on the person honestly. you know there's there's a large number of factors for some people and especially in other countries, the sport and their performance is their job, right and so, there is a little bit of your life security in your performance, right? Um, For instance, I think it was two Olympics ago now, they highlighted that a lot of the uh, younger Chinese gymnasts had come from these essentially orphanages that were teaching life skills. And this orphanage was focused on gymnastics and it's like sequelae and and arts along with it, because that was a viable life skill. But the flip side of that is, you know, you have to be able to stay on the international scene, stay healthy enough to compete to kind of keep that paycheck going. Um, And, you know, a lot of times too, there's different uh, sponsorships that come with it, right? Gold medal certainly gets more sponsorships than ninth place. Um, but also the medals themselves uh, for a lot of these foundations will pay depending upon your placement. So, you know, there's that as well. So there's a large number on top of that, the Federation itself, like I remember when we would go to these international competitions, there would be a day by day recap of all the medals that we had gotten that day, who got them and what countries were like, either trailing us or leading us. So there's, there's also that federation pressure that, you know, the success of the federation rides on the success of the athletes themselves. And so there's a lot that, that you could kind of buckle to that weight. And for people who are new, like, you know, new to an international scene, new to a large scale competition, even that audience pressure can be the thing that like tips it just too much.
0: What's uh, there, uh, when you were uh, on the team, was there a sports psychologist that worked with the team and how much exposure, how much interaction did you have on them? Was it required? Was it uh, uh, an option?
1: Back in my day, (laughs) been a minute, uh, (laughs) it certainly wasn't a requirement, right? Um, Even despite having interacted with our team psychologists a little bit more than some of my cohorts, I still definitely saw our physical therapist and our sports uh, medicine doctor far more often. Um, But the therapist was there in a sort of like PRN as needed capacity. Right. And for me, uh, I went to a competition and was totally unable to do anything. I got, I traveled all the way to Australia. We had a week to sort of acquaint ourselves with the facility and train on the equipment. And I couldn't make myself do so much as a cartwheel. And I was coming in favored as a medal contender. And I had instead of training that week, spent that week doing therapy sessions, mindfulness sessions, getting recordings to play to myself at night, things like that. So that by the time my competition day came, I might be able to do something. I,
0: I, how did it go? I'm just, I'm just curious, Is <laughs> that <laughs> <how> <laughs> bad <laughs> to ask that. I got it you built up the story, Gino. Place.
2: Oh, okay, that, that's good. I don't think we're battle. supposed to focus on the outcome, Aaron. We're all <laughs> that's winners. What I'm talking about.
1: <laughs> we're all <laughs> winners. i <Focus laughs> very
3: mindful right? of you. We're
1: <laughs> 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 an N of one, showing oh, efficacy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to KUCR and Let's Get Psyched. And we're here talking to Dr. Gino Mortalero about mindfulness. He was a member of the USA Gymnastics team, of course, competed on national and world stages. And he has a lot to offer as far as mindfulness. And now we're gonna get, we're gonna move on to uh, what you all can do and what uh, we can do with practice and give us uh, and maybe give each other tips and things like that. Now, before this podcast I and radio show. I, I gave everybody assessments, uh, two different aspects of assessments. There's a lot of ways to assess mindfulness. It's kind of a difficult concept in, in some ways, but there's two aspects that have some correlation with athletes uh, and elite athletes. And one of them is something called non attachment. And that was uh, correlated with athlete, athletic flourishing and doing well and well being and things like that. And the other, um, had to do with experiential avoidance or acceptance. And that was correlated with, um, negatively correlated with burnout. Athletes would who uh, um, did not do well with experiential avoidance. Now, none of us are athletes, but we thought it would be interesting if we all took these. So I guess I will go first uh, for non-attachment. Now the, I'm just going to give the the um, listeners a little bit idea what non-attachment is. So this is, has to do with a, be able to let go of your feelings of dissatisfaction about the past, enjoy pleasant experiences, and you don't require them and need them to last forever. That uh, you can uh, view problems as uh, things to learn from, and you won't be demoralized. And you can, you want, you know, and also family relationships. There's not a, a attachment. You can um, not get hung up on having to be perfect and live the perfect life. And you, you're fine with whatever comes. All right. So I got a 33 on that, and as I, I, so I tried to answer as honestly as I can. My my most difficult thing was I will r- remind myself of. That uh, unpleasant experiences, of regrets. I'll, uh, I I have regrets. Like from when I was a kid, I'll just like throw that into my brain, and i will like, why? And so I'm just gonna be honest <laughs> about that. So I do do that. But ha- what are anyone so, want to share? So wait,
4: wait, what does that mean though? Like the higher, the higher the score, then what?
0: I uh, I think it means the higher the score, the better you are at yeah. the uh, aspect of mindfulness of non attachment, so oh, that you can very let things good, go. You think?
4: Aaron. Things... Yeah. Okay. But but I'm telling you that one. It's out of 42, so that's pretty good.
3: What did Aaron get? I
4: got a 33. Oh, lower 30s. Oh, but uh, that—that's
3: not very mindful of me. It's my jealousy about your score is further taking down my score. Like as we speak, my score is dropping.
0: (laughs) That how do what
4: I need to get on this? Not
1: focusing on it. (laughs) Yeah, listeners, (laughs) listeners, (laughs) there's a
0: there's an item, listeners, on this non-attachment says that I can take joy in others' achievements without. Yeah, like I
3: yeah. I feel
0: I feel like I, I, don't, I rarely have envious feelings. I, I that I'm trying to be as honest, but if but if you all see that, you know, please give me that feedback. Meanwhile, I'm over but,
3: here like plotting my revenge.
4: But, no,
0: those questions. No, I've never same. known you to be envious, Alan. Yeah,
2: that makes you a good therapist, right? Aaron, is when you when you can express true joy, right, with your patients. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. Totally. In fact, yeah. I am, I'm, I'm I'm totally fine with uh, terrible things happening. And that, that's a good point, Saloni. That I think that this non-attachment can help. Like, we're not athletes, but we can uh, do well in, as, as clinicians here by not being so attached with good feelings.
1: Honestly, I think that's a very reasonable and valid point, because whether or not you're an athlete, like looking at this, I mean, knowing now how it connects the athletic things, I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, But, you know, I always tell people that for some reason, a lot of high level athletes gravitate towards medicine, right? And a lot of medical school is very similar. You have to work as a team a lot, but also stand on your own merit at times. There will be times that you are going to fail spectacularly and there are times where you are going to succeed, right? And if you got caught up at every failure, in the process of any form of graduate school, honestly, you would give up and stop, but but you still went through it, right? And you did it right. and you handled the failure, moved on with it.
2: Yeah, honestly, yeah, Dr. Sure. Mortellaro, when you That's were talking nice. about calculating what you needed to get or you know, how to advance. It reminded me so much of college and you know being <laughs> pre-med and like calculating what you need on your final or on this exam or on this homework mm-hmm. so you can pass so that you can go on to the next step already thinking like five, six steps ahead, right?
4: Well, I got a 28 on this non-attachment thing.
0: We almost always score very similarly when we take these things.
3: Tosha I, I got a 29, surprised. and so I was extremely happy that I smashed Tosha by one point. <laughs> I spent the rest of the day crying because most of my life is up by crying whenever I find out that Aaron accomplished anything.
0: <laughs> yeah. What What was your most challenging item, uh, um, uh, uh, Alan? Because that, man, that painful. That, that the the regret thing that that just got me. But what was what's your? You know, most challenging I actually item? took
3: notes on it because this is such an important scale to me. You know, I I as probably a lot of our listeners and I care about mindfulness a lot, and or maybe I care more about meditation than mindfulness. But um, I wrote, but the thing that I really thought was holding me back was from the next scale we're going to talk about, and it was okay. Um, it was in some people call it maximizing. What this scale called it was um getting hung up. On not having a perfect or ideal life, and I find that, like I, I
4: sometimes oh,
2: mine too. That was my lowest. Score. That, was, that was yeah. Nice. And that, that was that was, awesome. that was mine as well, and and the regrets. Wow. With yeah, maybe, it's a <laughs> maybe we're thing. all perfectionists, we're so maybe close. I don't know.
0: Yeah. For me, it's so far away. For you, doctors, it's so achievable. It's like right there, and you want to grab it. But for <laughs> stops me her from <laughs> <yeah>, that. <right. laughs> All right, let's move to
1: the. Oh wait, second- I didn't share my oh. score. I oh, got go, a thirty-one. Yeah, go
2: as happy as I am for everybody, <laughs> I got a, oh, I got
3: a thirty-one. Is-
0: oh, you knocked it, out. You knocked it out, just slowly. coming
3: in hard. Wow. I
2: mean, okay. Aaron got me beat. So.
0: What was your most challenging item?
2: Definitely the regret. Regret. I think the regret oh. more than the perfectionism. Yeah, the regrets over the past, like you said, remembering things from when you were little, or you know, just yeah. even a few years ago, and just not being able to let them go.
0: Yeah, I think, I think I think like, oh, this is a way of self-improvement. Like I just, I, if I just keep thinking about it and rewinding it, then i will never have I don't know. All right, yeah. let's oh, go to the and, next and one. Sorry, yeah, go before ahead. Before
4: we move on, I just want to say it's for our listeners. If you want to take these scales yourself, I'm going to include it in the description of the episode. Oh, no. good. Thank no, you, nice. All totally. mm-hmm. All
0: right, the next one has to do with experiential avoidance or acceptance. And this was correlated with burnout, ath- a- a- elite athlete burnout. So this had to do with things like um i'm afraid of my feelings and so we 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 all answered like how true that was i i worry about not being able to control my worries so you're worrying about worrying okay see that now that that would be me all right painful memories prevent me from having a fulfilling life emotions cause problems in my life it seems like most people have better lives than me worries get in the way of my success and my painful experiences make it difficult for me to live a life that i value value all right so I got an 18. Um, so I. Well, oh, I got
4: know. a 17.
0: Uh, see, we, That's
4: good, right? The lower,
0: similarly, the yeah, the the lower the better. Yeah, right? the
4: lower the better on this one.
0: Yeah, and the, it's, it's, out it's out of fittingly, 49. You know. Fittingly, when I looked at this,
1: I was like, answering this now after my like years of doing therapy for my anxiety and worry and all that, it's so different than like, oh, if wow. I was doing it pre all that, oh my gosh, it would have been so much higher. So it's so <laughs> fitting that we talked about, you know, managing Make those therapist. as an athlete,
0: right? You're a mindfulness master now. So now you can teach us.
1: <laughs> I don't know. My fiance might disagree with that on my past days. <laughs>
0: Other scores, if anyone want feel free to share. I got,
2: I got a 20, so a little bit higher, a little bit higher than everyone.
0: What was challenging okay. for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, I um, a, yeah, let you I look.
2: Uh, I think for me, it was mainly the, not so much the worry about worrying. I think <laughs> that that would, but that sounds scary. I think for me, it's more about just the like comparison to other people. Seems like most people are handling their lives better than I am, that sort of thing.
3: Okay. I got a 29, so I was vindicated this round. I think that means I was vindicated.
4: 29 uh, is a higher good. score, which is <laughs> <not> worse. <laughs> <That's> oh. worse.
0: <laughs> I should have <laughs> said, I want you to be mindful now, Alan. <laughs> yeah, that's not No, no I the wrong one, I got a 13, <laughs> yeah. I got a 13. Oh, oh, okay. oh wow, Wait, that's We're on awesome. no, the AAQ two. Oh my God, yeah. your score this isn't is still a
3: dropping,
2: podcast. you are not being mindful, Alan. <laughs>
3: my my failures in life are all coming out and and this episode is gonna be the beginning of my downward spiral. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> all right, so let's let's kind of get into uh, like how we can make this real in our lives. So I'm just gonna share that mindfulness, sure, it was one of those things that was kind of on the back burner. Uh, kind of an Eastern philosophy way of uh, relaxing or something like that, maybe. And uh, but as I got deeper and deeper into it, I realized how key it was to a lot of things. Now I use it all the time in therapy. Um, I this this is the concept. It I hope this is okay. I, I indulge everyone. This is the concept that I really did it for me. Is the choosing not to analyze. So it's not about, see I'm such a cognitive behavioral therapist. Cognition is like you have negative thoughts, automatic negative thoughts, and then you dispute them, right? And I'm also a big ruminator. I analyze and I ruminate about things and I think that that's the key to making myself a better person, having a better life. Mm -hmm. And so, no. So that's the key. That when I have these negative automatic thoughts or anxieties or, or whatnot, to choose to allow it to be there, not dispute it, not say it's right or wrong, but to allow it to be there and to not engage in it, that, that completely opened my mind to how this works. Okay, that I was
4: Thanks for sharing that, Aaron. I appreciate that. What about you, Dr. Mortellera? Which, which were some of the strategies that helped you the most?
1: So I tried out a handful actually, and I was that person that like, and, and I guess I can't say was, I still am, that person that like, I could go through my day being like, man, I am so tired. And the moment my head hits my pillow, I'm like time to think about all your worries now is the time. Right. And I've tried a lot of different, you know, it's one people typically can share and resonate with. And um, I tried a lot of different mindfulness things and the ones that really resonated with me were guided meditations because I found that having something to sort of pull my thoughts away and focus on instead and follow with that was really helpful And the progressive muscle relaxation slash like body scan, whichever, you know, kind of, they usually hybridize in my world. But I found that really helpful to really hone in and, you know, you're sort of triggering a biological response with it by like contracting and releasing, right? Burning out this extra ATP, sort of tiring yourself out. But it also has a little bit of like a massage quality. (laughs) So those are the two that I probably resonated with the most.
2: Yeah, I love guided meditations. Nice. I think, yeah, listening, listening to focusing on that voice, right? Which is usually a soothing voice <laughs> telling, yeah. you do, so, <laughs> telling you what to do. So telling you what to do, exactly. You can shut your mind off in a, in a way.
0: Are there other uh, tips and strategies about how to achieve a deep state of mindfulness and things that uh, were important? Maybe things that related to this, uh, this, these questionnaires that we took.
4: Well, did you guys try anything that didn't work well? Like when you were a gymnast, Dr. Mortalero, was there anything um, that you tried that just didn't
1: help? Oh, that's a good one. So one of the things that did not work great for me was I got, uh, one of the things was to imagine that when I was at practice, I was at a competition, right? With the idea that by envisioning Mm -hmm. this, I could leverage my success at practice into competition. And instead Mm -hmm. it had the reverse effect where my failure at competition (laughs) leveraged into practice so oh, no. I, I kind of hit a snag Too with that. Real. And oh, no. yeah it was and I, I had to flip that script and then make competition like it Into was practice,
2: practice. okay exactly. oh, okay nice okay. good one okay. fascinating yeah, though that. that you figured that out you know
1: I mean, after many years of like landing on my face, I figured it out.
2: Whatever it takes.
1: Oh, <laughs> Falling from heights onto your head is a great motivator.
2: It gets you to rethink wow, things yeah. probably. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, you're laughing, but that is a that's like that's a really intensely traumatic experience to be trying to be under pressure to score points. And then if you mess up slightly, you fall on your head.
1: I mean, it's a lot, and it's why we see this affect gymnasts. Like I said before, there's a little bit where if you try to really rationalize too much how I can manage to, like, spin my body around three and a half times and flip it twice at the same time, if you try to think about that too deep, like, you're going to think yourself into a hole, and questioning that muscle memory is, like, the, the end of it. So, wow. yeah, that's, that's why, you know, you land on your head once. And if, if you perseverate on those fears, that's when you stop doing things and you start to become this person that could only run down the floor, not even do a cartwheel.
3: I'm going to um, we're, we're we're summing up soon, but I, I just want to jump in and say, stay tuned for the next episode where we're going to talk about, um, I think, something that's worth mentioning, even in this episode, which is um, the role of you know because we started this episode talking about um a particular woman who's who's been challenged in some unfair ways by the sport that we're going
1: to be addressing that um in the coming episode and And, to wrap up on that one she is still one of the most incredible gymnasts that has ever existed like indisputably
2: (laughs) i believe it yeah
0: that's called the teaser folks that's all for this edition of Let's Get Psyched. Today, we talked about mindfulness, particularly in the context of athletic performance, but you can use it in your daily life, hopefully, with psychiatrist Dr. Gino Mortolero. Thank you, thank you, Dr. Mortolero, for joining us tonight. Of course. Thank you also to our co-hosts, Dr. T- Drs. Toshi Amaguchi, Saloni Singh, and Alan Atkins. If you have comments, questions, suggestions for the show, you can write us at Get Psyched on kucr at gmail.com and you can also listen to past episodes of let's get psyched on your favorite streaming platform if you like tonight's show please follow us and post a review this episode is recorded remotely in our homes our producer is elliot fong i've been your host psychologist dr aaron parks tune in next week for another edition of let's get psyched